Forget everything you've ever heard about dieting. What if you could eat the foods you love and find a way to get fit that was actually enjoyable? Welcome to Have It All with Devin Alexander. The chef from TV's Biggest Loser has lost 70 pounds and kept it off for over 30 years. She has also helped others to stop yo-yo dieting and actually transformed their lives. Now, here's your host, Devin Alexander. Hey, everyone. Welcome to the show. So I have the most exciting news ever. Yesterday, Jelly Bean's adoption was finalized. I know it probably feels out of the blue to a lot of you because I was like waiting and waiting and waiting. But once you get the court date, it happens really quickly. We got the court date about two and a half weeks ago. So I spent a lot of time buying the perfect dress for her and, um, of course, color-coordinated confetti. So it looks like we won a reality show. <laughs> um No, but seriously, I am just so excited, needless to say, to start my life with her, like truly, 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 without the fear of anything and without the encumbrances uh, of, you know, social workers and things. I obviously have nothing to hide, but um, even things like the medical records and there's just so much you have to you're not allowed to cut their hair like I really should be trimming her hair she's a year and a half old and she's got this beautiful what would be long hair it's really curly um but you know it needs to be trimmed like all these things and as I said without court permission there's a lot of things you can't do um that said like this truly was the best decision of my life and still is and so today I want to dedicate to sharing it in a way that maybe will recruit some people. Um, if I hope you'll stay tuned in if you know any couples who are having trouble conceiving or if you know any couples who you know if money weren't an issue would want to give a ton of love to a child. Um, what a lot of people don't know is there are tons of financial or there's tons of financial assistance that is available when you become a foster parent and, you know, to make sure the child, everything, you know, goes to college for free even. And I hesitate to like really outline all of this because I don't want people who aren't going to give the children an immense amount of love to hear about it because, you know, obviously with anything, you can take money and do the wrong thing with it. Um, as I said, it will cover the basics for a child, especially while they're in foster care prior to adoption. In many cases, um, I mean, with babies, you get their formula paid for. Even if you're not financially strapped, you can. I didn't. But, um you get a clothing allowance. I didn't get that either, but I didn't ask for it. Uh, you get, what else do you get? You get, as I said, college paid for, any treatment that the children need, whether it be mental or cognitive development or other developmental. Like, Jellybean was a tiny bit behind walking, and we had an occupational therapist. Also, she was having some feeding issues, and we got an occupational therapist sent to our house for free through the county. Um, and that was you know, all taken care of because I took these three extra hours of classes and the services were provided. So, you know, those are a lot of things that people don't realize. If you have your own child and something's wrong, you don't get any of that uh, for free anyway. And 
I, I think, as I said, that people don't know. And again, I really hesitate because I only want this information shared with people who will actually love the children. I'm sure um, most people know, but there are close to half a million children in the U.S. who have no homes. And I just am incredibly passionate about this now because in the process of me going through my journey from even you know getting certified through now, uh, 12 other children have already been placed in addition to Jelly Bean. And a number of friends have started the process to potentially take children. Now, we're going to start by talking about the older children who really need help. Uh, as I said, there's close to half a million in the U.S. Many of them are not babies. We know that. And a lot of these kids, like people have this perception that they're damaged or there's something wrong with them. And in many cases, and in most cases, really, that's not the case. And honestly, they don't give, you have to get extra certifications to get a child who has some sort of, you know, major impediment. Um, they try to give the children who have real medical needs to people who are nurse trained or something else. So when you go through the process, like you actually get to pick boy, girl, what ethnicity, what, um, you know, basically the specs, like whether you're okay with a child who's had X, Y, or Z, whether this exposure, that exposure, you know, so you can really kind of, in a way that you can't, having your own child determine what it is that you are able to handle and handle well. So in my case, I was very open to ethnicity. Um, I think I've said this before, but I had done a lot of research. And part of the reason I'm having this discussion with you today is because I think everything in life is a big, I mean, especially something like this is a huge decision. So I did a ton of research before embarking on the process. And I think most people know, and if you're just joining me, um, you wouldn't, but my baby girl was three days old when I got her from the hospital. Um, I was looking to take a child who was two months or under. Um, in a weird sort of universe, I kind of wanted a child who was maybe a year because at the time I was terrified of taking a newborn because I had no idea what I was doing. But as it turns out, I had a couple people like really pushing me just like, just go for the newborn. You want the entire experience. And in retrospect, I'm glad I did. But I've also had now had many friends take like one of my friends recently took a sibling set of a two year old, five year old and six year old who I referred him to a social worker who was looking to place these like gorgeous children who were just like magical according to the social worker. And my friend took them and he is just in heaven. Like he constantly sends me pictures. He constantly is like, thank you so much. And literally like within, I don't know, weeks, I mean, he kind of made the decision to, you know, go down that road and think about it pretty quickly. And, and as I said, they're in heaven and it's not what he ever envisioned. He wasn't like, I'm going to go get certified and take three children. Actually, he went and got certified and was looking for one and then got pushed into taking two. And then those children ended up living with him for a year and a half and then being reunified with their parents. Um, and then, you know, they were kind of crushed or very crushed, I should say. And a year later, these other three children popped up. And again, never something that they had talked about. But they saw the children and they met them and they just fell in love with them, which I've heard happen so many times. So I think that, you know, it's a really beautiful thing, particularly, you know, I, as I said, I got really lucky. I took, you know, I, I was offered a baby who was 
ideal in many ways, especially for me. Um, but I am now like wishing I could take an older child, believe it or not. And I'm not close to the possibility of doing that. In fact, I just found out about this amazing charity called First Star that sends, they start nurturing kids who are around 14 in uh, ninth grade and sending them to a college experience until they're ready to college and then getting them into college. And the interesting thing about that and what people don't know and why part of the reason I'm so passionate about this is only 3% of kids, foster kids who are in the foster care system in the United States ever go to college. And those statistics, if I'm correct, include Jellybean. So Jellybean's in my home, you know, she has a very unique situation in that, you know, I really believe that I'm going to be able to provide a super stable home for her. Um, I plan to be able to afford to send her to college. But as I said, I won't need to if I don't want to because she does because she was once in the foster care system she will assuming she qualifies have a scholarship to a state school um which is amazing for me to not have to worry about um even though I think you know I will be in a position to probably afford that but my point was that because the statistics include those children you know, I wonder what the true statistics are. Like, is it 1% of kids who remain in the foster care system? Anyway, this charity, First Star, sends kids and they have like a 91% success rate. Like 91% of the kids that they nurture and give mentors to and, you know, put on college campuses for a month over the summer prior to, well, in their sophomore, junior and senior years, and then one week or one week per month or one weekend per month, I guess it is, during the school year, 91% of them end up going to college. How amazing is that? So I'm actually talking about doing some work potentially with that charity. And honestly, I'm, quote, worried that I'm going to meet a child because I know these kids are so special. Like, when they get to that point, they're fighters. Like, you know, they've been hand, uh, handed these lives that they could be victims, but in so many cases, they're just dying, dying, dying for the basic, basic, basic things that most of us were born with, like love from a parent and enough clothing and enough food to survive. Um, so, as I said, I think that I'm going to meet some of these incredible angels, which I, I think this because years ago I had, and what made me so familiar with the statistics and things are years ago, I had met some children who I wish I could take in because, um, I mean, they're just so such special little people who've never been given a shot. And you know that, you know, if, I mean, I had amazing parents and had they cut me off at 18 and been like, okay, you're done. You never get any advice from us. You never get assistance from us. Like you can't even imagine what life would be like. And that's with amazing parents who set me up for success, not, you know, being bounced from house to house. So anyway, as I said, I want to, I want to really fill you in on some more things. And then I'm also going to give you a cheat sheet on when you, if you do decide to go forward some of the questions you might want to ask because a lot of people are like wow you're so lucky that I got this amazing baby and that I got to keep her and she was the first placement that I got um, and I agree I'm absolutely lucky because you never know um, in these cases you just don't but that said like from the minute 
the social worker arrived at my house. She's like, this child is going nowhere. Now, there were some things that came into play that she could have been taken away a couple times. Um, but again, having nothing to do with me, just having to do with other families who adopted siblings of hers and things like that. So I'm going to walk you through all of that and kind of talk about, you know, if you are looking for a baby, what to look for. And part of the reason I'm doing this is because I've had this conversation with a ton of families now and a ton of parents. Um, and as I said, I am one of those people who's like super strategic in everything I do. And I, I honestly kind of knew that I get attached really quickly. Like I knew I would get attached really quickly to a baby. So I wanted to mitigate the odds that I would have a placement taken away. And again, there there's high risk, there's lower risk, and then there's a lot that you have family visits with the kids. So those are all kind of questions that you need to ask. Um, I need to go to break in a minute here. So I don't want to jump into the whole thing. Um, but I will tell you that if you know anybody who's even considering or has no idea that it doesn't cost hundreds of thousands of dollars to have a child, which is the part that a number of my friends, like when they sat down with me and they're like, doesn't it cost like a couple hundred thousand to adopt? Not through foster care. In fact, it costs almost nothing. Um, I mean, granted, because I'm a single mom, I have a nanny for Jelly Bean. Other people, you know, do put them in daycare, which is totally fine. But, I mean, my biggest expense that wasn't covered is the nanny, obviously. Um, other than that, you know, the stipend that I get from the county um, would cover her diapers and all the basics. Obviously, it's not going to cover, like, tennis lessons or something like that. But, um, I don't know, I find that through the course of her being with me, that supplement um, would help a ton of families like actually even be able to afford those things, especially knowing that God forbid there was some medical issue that came up over time that you are really covered. Um, and I, one other thing I should say is that I don't know from state to state exactly all the changes I'm going to be talking a lot about California, but although the questions are the same everywhere, um, you may want to do a little more digging. And then the research that I did um, is kind of the same everywhere, I think. Um, and I'm going to also tell you about an organization called Raise a Child that for those of you who have listened before, um, Rich Valenza, who's the amazing founder of the organization, um, he, it is a na nationwide organization now, so they can help you find the best agencies if you're not going directly through the county. Um, and that is a whole other thing. There's the option of going directly through the county, and there's the option of going through agencies. Um, when we come back, I will also be explaining those things. Um, there's debate as to which is, quote, better and which is more likely to get the child you want. Um, I think there's pros and cons to both, and I'm going to, um, I'm going to outline that. So I hope you will all stay tuned if you have friends who've been having trouble or if you yourself have been having trouble or if you're like me, that you were the single girl. Like, I don't want to say whining, but like I had a huge void in my life. Um, there was a big hole in my heart that I needed filled and jelly bean filled it up and has made me so much happier. Yes, it's a, um, it's a job and it's hard work at times, but man, 
was it the best decision of my life? So when we come back, as I said, I'm going to outline the county versus agency. And then also I'll tell you some of the questions to ask and help you decide whether you're looking for an older child or a younger child. I hope everyone stays tuned. See you in a minute. This is the Voice America Influencers Channel. Be inspired. Tune in every week to the Voice America Influencers Channel for The Movement with Shannon D. Hughes. It's all about what's happened in the past that determines the future. Everyone has their up moments and their down moments. The pendulum is always swinging between the victories and the pitfalls in our lives. But each of these serves as success points that we learn from and move forward. Listen for The Movement every Wednesday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time, 11 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Influencers Channel. Become a member of VoiceAmerica.com. It's easy and best of all, it's free. Start out by going to our homepage or any of our channels and click register at the top. Once you've created an account and signed in, you can create your own custom library, opt into our newsletter, search by show, host, guest, or topic of interest, or browse millions of hours of content across all of our Voice America radio channels. Membership gets you more. Visit VoiceAmerica.com today to get started and tailor the listening experience to your taste. Tune in to the Tony D'Urso Show with key influencers for entertaining and thought-provoking weekly discussions with some of the top stars in their fields. From business, sports, and science to entertainment, music, and literature, Tony's guests share their success and give their wisdom. If you're looking to manifest your vision and see how others have done so, be sure to listen to the Tony D'Urso Show every Friday at 2 p.m. Pacific Time, 5 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Influencers Channel. We don't follow, we lead. Join us, the Voice America Influencers Channel. are listening to have it all with Devin alexander to reach the show today please call 1-866-472-5795 that's 1-866-472-5795 or send an email to fans at devinalexander.com now back to have it all Hey, everyone. Welcome back. Uh, I am talking today about the topic that is most in my heart these days and really hoping to affect change. Um, In going through the foster care process um, yesterday, for those just joining us, Jelly Bean became officially an Alexander. I am over the moon, needless to say. Um, For those who haven't followed the story, she was my first placement. Um, I started in June of 2017, on June 4th of 2017, I got my certification in October of 2017, and a three-day-old beautiful baby girl was in my arms on November 22nd of 2017. Did I say I said 2017 for all of that, right? Um, So that's the other thing about foster care if you're looking for a baby. Yes, there's a risk that they could be reunified with their parents um, in many cases, but... Uh, the risk is worth the reward when you're not spending hundreds of thousands of dollars on private adoption, um, waiting nine months at best, even after they find you a match. Um, you're not bringing more children into the world um, that, you know, in 
through surrogacy or other things, which is totally fine. Like there's absolutely no judgment. But for me, knowing that there's so many kids out there, I just knew that I didn't want to go through any of that. Um, to have a child, I would much rather take one who really needs love. And the one thing that people said to me when I first heard that they could send a child back to their family um, after you'd been fostering them, I was like, I can't do this. There's no way I can do this. But then a mom who was speaking on a panel who actually had to give a child back and then got what she considered her perfect baby um, or who I should say who she considered her perfect baby. She said, you know, the thing that you know when you're fostering is that you're giving the child an opportunity that they would uh, never get. And you have to think of it as volunteer work, like for the period of time that you have them. And um, it's probably the best place that they'll ever be if you're loving them. Um, and I know people who've gone into the process thinking they were getting one child and they start with two and then they get four. And then I know someone who took nine in the end um, because it, you see the process and you just want to help them all. And I revealed in the earlier segment that I hope at some point in life, probably not really soon, but at some point I would like to take an older child um, because I think that so many of them are amazing, like absolutely positively amazing. Like I even had one child that I was um, teaching cooking lessons many years ago to help kids who aged out of the foster care system. Now he wouldn't have been up for adoption, but he had just aged out. He was 18 and he was loving the cooking. So lessons so much that he offered to do a free app for me, like to create an app. He was like that smart and that talented. And I, I couldn't take that. Like, I mean, here's a kid who had nothing. And you know, for me to take a free app from him is like, no, 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 no. I can't let you do that. But um, I did connect him to some other people who he could actually get paid work from. Um, you know, obviously he um, he was being mentored some, um, but just amazing, amazing kids that, as I said, were just never given a shot. So as I said, at some point I want to help them. And in the meantime, I am plotting uh, helping some a new group of kids um, get some of the resources that they need through my cooking. Um, but in the meantime, I want to continue to fill you in on some things that you might want to think about if you know somebody struggling. Now, there's two ways to go about getting a foster child. Um, one is going through an agency. There's a ton of agencies that work with the Department of Children and Family Services um, across the country that kind of helps shepherd you through the process. And then you, as I said, you can go directly through the county. In my case, I decided to go directly through the county. Now, a lot of people will tell you, oh my God, you totally want to go through agency. They help you so much. When you go to court, you, you know, the agency representative goes with you, which honestly would have been nice. Like when I was going to court, I was going by myself, um, sitting there for as long as I needed to sit there until my case was called. And it was pretty nerve wracking. Now, granted, I could have taken a friend with me I could have taken you know I mean there's lawyers there's people I could have taken but I didn't um and then also when you go through an agency like you have a lot more visits so when you go directly through the county you have to get a little more certification because they are actually certifying you when you go through an agency the agency has the certification and they're the license and then they certify 
you. So if something goes wrong, like they're responsible. So they come and check on you a lot more. In California, I believe that they come weekly to your house and spend a significant like hours maybe. Um, That's what I heard from one agency anyway. They spend like two to three hours per week like observing and helping and making sure you don't need anything. Honestly, for me, as busy as my life is and knowing that I have the resources myself to um, get any help that I need, I didn't want that in between. Like my social worker came for approximately 30 to 45 minutes per month. Um, and then every once in a while, Jelly Bean's attorney, who she was appointed at birth, like had nothing to do with me. She was strictly Jelly Bean's attorney um, to make sure like she would come to my house or her, well, someone from her office would come to my house to make sure like Jelly Bean seemed happy. Um, if she, if Jelly Bean were an older child, they'd actually ask her if she was happy, but instead like they did the same thing and uh, just observed her. Um, the, the, the reason I went through agency and this is kind of personality for me is I'm kind of intense and I wanted to be in the know, like exactly what was happening. I didn't want to hear it. Like I wanted to quote, hear it through the horse's mouth, so to speak, not through somebody through someone. Also, because so often they say, you know, they can tell you you're going to the hospital to pick up a baby girl and it turns out to be a baby boy. I think that stuff happens a lot more with agency. Um, that it's a game of telephone pool. Um, And then also, if you're getting an older child and you know you want an older child, which, again, is just the most wonderful thing in the world, um, I almost might recommend agency because it, it just could be a little bit easier. And they have... When the children aren't super, super sought after, like Jellybean was, I mean, when you're three days old, I argue that the kids who are less encumbered, meaning that they're less likely to go back to parents, you know, those are the ones that if you try to straight adopt a baby girl like Jellybean, there's a seven-year wait to get what they call a safe surrender. Like, a parent could drop a child like her off at a fire station And they would only have 14 days to come back and claim her. And then the rights are terminated. So, like, everybody who wants a baby wants that scenario, right? Which is why there's a seven-year wait. But the way I did it, like, as I said, I had her in my arms in a month because her parents' rights weren't terminated. I was taking the risk of potentially giving her back. Um, But, again, it was a very strategic risk. So for me, I, in doing research, I believe that those babies come to a social worker and in Jelly Bean's case, it was the day before Thanksgiving. So the social worker who had like got the call on her had to get her placed immediately before she went on Thanksgiving break. So she wanted to, you know, make as few phone calls as possible. And she happened to know a social worker who I had bugged and bugged and bugged. And when that woman heard that there was an exact baby that I was looking for, she called me and said, I have your baby. And Jelly Bean was in my arms within hours from there. Now, if that social worker had gone through the database and had to call an agency, then that agency would then have had to call a client. And you can see how that would take a lot longer. So as I said, I believe that the babies who are the ones who have a lot less risk of going home tend to be placed a lot quicker with families that go directly through agency. Now, again, if you're looking for a child who's been in the system for a while, 
it, it doesn't matter as much. And then you can choose whether you want the little more support, you want a little more nurturance and all of that. Um, because at the county, it's, you know, sometimes tough to even get your social worker to call you back. Um, whereas that doesn't really happen at agency. Um, and the other thing I will say is my friends who have gotten babies, um, the ones who got to keep their first placement are almost all through agencies. Um, again, people who got older children, um, they've gotten to keep older children in both places. That said, when I talked to the founders of Raise a Child, they don't feel it's the same way. They said in their experience, that is not the case. So that might be something that you want to do a little research on your own in your own area to see. You also might want to ask how quickly people get placements. At the time that I was getting placements, they say once you're certified, you should get calls almost immediately, even on babies. Apparently in Los Angeles, there's like six to eight babies born um, every week. And the highest number of babies right now being born are of Hispanic descent um, or Latin in some way. And honestly, I thought that I would end up with a Latin baby just based on what I, the criteria that I had suggested. I didn't, I mean, there's such a small percentage of Caucasian babies in the system. And I, based on, again, my research of my friends who'd been adopted, um, oddly, I play tennis with a couple who's adopted. Um, they're both adopted. And then there's a number of people associated big, with Biggest Loser who are adopted, um, who've been public about it. Uh, both Pete Thomas, who was the at-home winner. I forget what season. It might have been season one, even. But um, he was a, he was actually in foster care. And then Brett Hobel, who was one of the trainers, for people who know, he was adopted. So um, those are friends. And then two of my friends from high school were adopted. And then one of my girlfriends in L.A. was adopted, actually, from foster care. Um so I did a lot of research among those people and were asking, you know, what it was, whether they were close to their parents or not, and what what made the bond work and not. And what I found as a common ground was the only time that kids had trouble was around middle school age when they, if they didn't look like their parents, it was kind of like a, a sort of, I don't know, sign of sorts that kids would try to pick on them because they didn't look like their parents. So obviously you can't predict what a child is going to look like exactly, but I figured, especially because I'm a quirky person, I would probably be able to get, even if I got a Latin child, people would assume that my partner was Latin and that my child would take on my quirks and look enough like me that it would be fine. Um, and again, because that was the highest population and I didn't want to wait forever, um, I was like, okay, that's probably what's going to occur. Well, as it turns out, um, we don't actually know the ethnic makeup of my daughter. Um, I do know that she looks Caucasian and something. Um, sometimes she just looks Caucasian. Other times she definitely doesn't look Caucasian in pictures. Um, but... As I said, I, I don't even care. Um, she, she met the criteria of she looks enough like me that there's no way that people... I mean, she looks more like me than I honestly ever would have dreamed. Um, I She's so pretty. She looks like I had an affair with a Hollywood hunk is what I've been saying. Um, she's got these beautiful blue-green eyes and curly hair. But otherwise, her skin is a tiny bit lighter than mine. Her body shape is the same as mine. Her face shape is the same as mine. Her nose is a little different. But she's got these beautiful pouty lips um, that people pay a ton for in Hollywood. <laughs> um, so you can tell that she's not... Uh, that there's some ethnic mix in there. But... 
I don't know, she's exotic and beautiful and, and I'm just so lucky. Um, so again, that's the difference between agency and county. Um, I will say if you are looking for sibling sets, um, there's a huge demand for that right now and you can get placed with siblings really quickly. Um, if you are open to an African-American child who's over nine years old, they, they even, that is the biggest percent of population already born and looking for homeless I mean like looking for permanent families looking to be adopted um so a lot of people have heard that they have adoption fairs and those are usually the children found there I mean there are other children as well and then a lot of people may know that a lot of news stations do specific um I guess, awareness for kids. So in LA, there's a thing called Wednesday's Child that's on Fox News. And on Wednesday, they feature a child who's looking for a permanent home, um, which are amazing things and amazing ways to go. As I said, for anybody who is thinking of doing it, I would definitely recommend reasoning it reaching out to raiseachild.org. Um, that's R-A-I-S-E-A-C-H-I-L-D.org because they can help you in your area, make sure that the agencies are good. Um, Okay, now moving on to when you get placements. Yes, it's true. Some of the kids in the system have been exposed to drugs. And that scares a lot of people. And I'll admit it, it scared me too. You just don't know. That said, I know somebody with nine children, I told you, um, and... All of his children were drug exposed and none of them have had problems. And then I know tons of other children who were drug exposed. Now, one of the things that I have heard you don't, um, unless you're prepared to really um, be qualified to help a child, alcohol exposure, like fetal alcohol syndrome is apparently a really tough one um, when the, when it comes to child development. So again, I'm not an expert on any of this. This is just the research that I've done that I want to share. So I made up this list of, well, first of all, there's two scenarios. If you're looking for a baby, there's two scenarios in doing my research that I found that are more likely that you get to keep the children. Number one, believe it or not, is an inmate's child. So when I got the call, I was wanting it to be one of these two scenarios. Cause what you do is after you're certified, they call you with what I call a baby bio and you have, they'll basically be like, do you want this child? And if it is a child who's like, you know, as I said, like jelly bean, everybody was telling me, whatever you do, do not get off the phone. If you think you want the child, because in the time that you've thought about it for even three minutes, they will have called somebody else who will say yes so quickly to that child. So I had this list of questions that I had in my like sport purse in my, like next to every computer or next to every phone in my house, you know, it was just everywhere because I wanted to be really strategic. And they say that you can ask like 30 questions while you're on the phone, but as soon as you get off the phone, no. And you don't want to just say yes impulsively. Like everybody was telling me when you get the call that's your baby, you will know it, like you will feel it. And as somebody who never found my soulmate, I was worried, like, do I have that skill? Do I know about people? Um, but as it turns out, I guess I did. Uh, so the questions that I would recommend asking, um, just, oh, well, first of all, as I said, the two cases. So an inmate's child, if you think about it, so if a woman is in jail 
and she's pregnant. She's getting prenatal care. So you know they haven't been alcohol exposed. You know they haven't been drug exposed. And then on top of it, they have nine whole months to find a place to put their child. Now, granted, if it's a, you know, like a murderer or something, you you probably wouldn't necessarily want to take that child in case the parents somehow got out and came back or something like that. Or if there was gang activity, like that kind of thing. But other than that, if it was like a, you know, smaller crime that they're in for a while and they definitely can't keep a child, like to me, that seems like an amazing Um, amazing scenario. The second scenario that I was open to taking was a child who already had kids in the system. Now, meaning like, or they had siblings in the system. So in Jelly Bean's case, her mom had previously given children up and, um, and she, you know, so when Jelly Bean was available, Um, the chances that they were going to find a family member when they didn't find family members for the other children um, is not very great if you just think about it. And so that's what I was finding. Like when those were the two scenarios that people had taken children, they tended to stay with them. And these are obviously not foolproof because my, because Jelly Bean had other siblings placed elsewhere, those parents, the adoptive parents of those kids could have taken Jelly Bean if they changed their mind. And that's where I was getting fear at one point because it looked like one of the moms, although she didn't necessarily want Jelly Bean, she definitely wanted to be involved with us. And so that got a little scary. But as I said, there are so many, you might be like, oh, waiting for one of those scenarios would take forever. The truth is it doesn't. There are so many women who have had multiple kids because they were foster kids themselves and they are living on the streets and they are seeking companionship or whatever and they get pregnant. And a lot of people are like, do they do it for the money? No, Jellybean's mom didn't get any money. Um, She just, you know had more children than she could handle uh so i have to go to break in a minute here so i'm going to pick this up when we get back but and i'll run you as i said through the rest of the questions that i had on my list in case anybody is thinking of doing this and they can and they can jump in so stay tuned everyone We don't follow, we lead. Join us, the Voice America Influencers Channel. It's time to unlock some of the best kept secrets in health, wealth, and happiness. Are you ready to live your life to the fullest and hear insider tips from today's experts? Then tune in to the Forbes Factor with celebrity TV host and inspirational icon, Forbes Riley. She's a best-selling author and TV fitness expert, and you know her from QVC and HSN. Now she brings her expert advice and guests to the Voice America Influencers Channel. Tune in live every Tuesday at noon Pacific time at 3 p.m. Eastern time for the Forbes Factor. We get Guarantee it will be the best hour of your week. These days, everyone is looking for information on staying young, healthy, and fit. The Voice America Health and Wellness Network is here to help you on your quest to better health and a better you. We talk about everything from diet, fitness, and aging to substance abuse, personal growth, mental health, and much more. Learn from our experts who cover health and wellness from traditional and holistic perspectives. Tune in to the Voice America Health and Wellness Network. Healthy living starts here. Get Unchained. 
Tune in every Monday for Jane Unchained on the Voice America Influencers Channel, featuring nationally recognized best-selling author, TV journalist, and social media influencer Jane Velez Mitchell. This program takes you inside a trending lifestyle that's the next wave of human evolution. It all starts on your plate. If you want to revolutionize your life, get happier, more energized, then discover the secret. Tune in to Jane Unchained Mondays at 10 a.m. Pacific Time and 1 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Influencers Channel. If you think you've seen online TV before, let us surprise you. VoiceAmerica.tv is online now. The leader in live internet talk radio has done it again. Multiple channels, a state-of-the-art viewing experience, live and on-demand programs streaming 24 hours a day. It's exactly what you want, when you want it. VoiceAmerica.tv. From health and wellness to business, sports, and everything in between, discover our new world. Visit VoiceAmerica.tv now and experience the future of online television. VoiceAmerica.tv. Change starts here. Change starts now. Join us, the Voice America Influencers Channel. You are listening to Have It All with Devin Alexander. To reach the show today, please call 1-866-472-5795. That's 1-866-472-5795. Or send an email to fans at devinalexander.com. Now, back to Have It All. Hey, everyone. Welcome back. Today, we're talking about foster care and whether it might be right for you or someone you know, which is very likely. Um, And the fact that there's so many benefits to doing it that people just don't realize. So I was taking you through assuming that you know somebody who's looking for a baby baby and is having trouble getting pregnant or just wants to give back while doing something amazing. Um, I was just saying that one of the best case scenarios, if you're looking to keep a child, is if they have multiple siblings in the system. Um, That, again, might sound like it's like, oh, I'd be waiting forever for that. That's not true because we could also quell the homeless population, I believe, in this country if we would start taking the foster care kids more because so many foster care kids end up homeless and end up in prison Um, because they never had role models and they never knew how to live on their own. And some of the women I know are girls, if you're calling 18 year old women or girls, um, get sex trafficked even, and they have multiple babies, they get put in the system and it's this vicious cycle that again, like we can play a role in stopping. So, but the questions like assuming a lot of these questions, um, can apply whether or not you're looking for a baby or not. Um, but the ones that I asked that I had by the phone, like the minute I was certified, um, knowing that I could get a call any minute, um, were as follows. One, what do you see the case plan being? Meaning like, okay, do you think that the child is going to be going back to parents? Do you think that they're probably going to stay? Do the parents even want them? Cause in some cases the parents are fighting to get them back and others, they don't, you know, they just left. Um, And then can I speak to the worker? If you're just talking to a clerk, if you're not actually speaking to the worker, um, the worker is going, the social worker meaning, is going to have a lot more information. Same thing if you go through an agency, um, sometimes you can actually get on a three-way with the social worker. That's the best case scenario because then you know you've heard it, quote, from the horse's mouth. Um, As close to accuracy like the closer you get to that that I believe the more accuracy then does the child have any known medical issues now how as I said before um 
the medical issues, like if they really know that there's a medical issue, they won't offer a child to someone who isn't licensed further for more medical issues. That said, one of the children that I was offered that I didn't feel was the right child for me, they called me about and said that the child's organs were all on the opposite side of their body. So that meant that like their heart was on the right. That's right. It's on the left usually. Oh my God. I know nothing about medical things, but the fear in that for me was, so they didn't consider this a medical issue. Um, but the fear for me was like, God forbid the child had appendicitis and they couldn't diagnose it if they didn't have, you know, all the information about her. Um, you know, because it's on the wrong side. So there were things like that, that I'm like, I don't know that I, as a single woman am capable of handling that. And when I was doing the research on that, I found that the children can technically be more low energy and I'm so high energy that I might drive that child nuts, you know, so things like that, but always asking, because as I said, they're not technically going to give you a child with medical issues. Um, if you're not licensed for that or certified for that, but in this case, it was kind of a medical issue. Um, and then the mental health of the parents, a lot of times they don't know the mental health of the parents. A lot of times, honestly, like the parents could have been in a mental institution, but after being abused for years and years and years. So you have to take that with a grain of salt. Um, the percentage of children who are born with bipolar, if they had one bipolar parent, isn't even that high in my research. So again, do your own research, but this is a good question just so you get the overall pulse of how much do the social workers know how much you know like what are you prepared to take on um and then what is the race of the child now again in many cases they don't even know for sure like they know the mom maybe and they don't know the dad or if they were just dropped off they're not even sure um in this day and age you can do 23 and me once they're adopted you can't do those kind of things before they're adopted but um you know to me, like, as I said, all I really, I don't care what the ethnicity of Jellybean is. I just didn't want her to look so blatantly not like me that she would get picked on. Since she's already in a single family, you know, like, I, people are probably going to say, why don't you have a dad at some point? Um, so they don't need to be calling her out as a foster child or former foster child also. Um, and then where are they in the case? Was the baby detained at birth or shortly thereafter? So... In a lot of these, um, the parents, you, the goal it, as a foster parent is to have, I mean, obviously the goal is to get the parents in a good position where in a lot of cases, if they're close to getting the children back, that they get them back, that they, you know, pull themselves together and they can give great homes to their own children. Now, assuming that can't happen, and for someone like me who really wanted some, like wanted a child whose parents were out of the picture and definitely couldn't take care of her, um, so I wanted to know, like, where they were in that. Was this looking like she'd go back? Was she taken at birth? Was, you know, where was she born? All those kind of things. So you want to ask that. And then are the parents drug users? Was there drug exposure for the baby? Because they always drug test babies. And, um, again, like, that's not necessarily, you might want to do research if you're thinking of doing it on what drugs are harmful and which drugs are probably the kids will be okay. And in many cases, you can tell in the first 30 days, like, even if you do take a child, oh, this is one of the other things that I should say, if you take a child and they're not a match for your family, and this makes me sad to think about, but you can actually, I mean, it makes me sad from the standpoint of, I would hate to have a child think they have a home and then not. But on the flip side, better to be able to return them to the county to find a suitable placement if you can't wholeheartedly be a loving, quote, perfect parent for them. 
So um, in the cases of some of the babies, sometimes in the first 30 days, if they were exposed to drugs, they will be inconsolable. And then, you know, you can literally call the county and say, you know what, I think this child is going to have trouble forever and I'm not equipped to deal with that. Um, You know, I think they need to find another home for them. And then you just have to make sure at the time that I did it, it was seven days. You had to give the social worker seven days to find a new placement and just make sure the child stays safe and still loved. Um, Now I was told that it just got up to 14 days, which again, two weeks is it's just a volunteer term um, to make sure that the child stays safe while they're seeking a more suitable home. And then you can immediately get another child in that place. Again, super sad when we're talking about humans. But if you really think of the reason for it, it's much better to have to have a, a a baby place with parents who know that they're the dream, um, that they're the child that they want than to have them, you know, sort of stuck with you. Um, okay. And then, um, do the parents have other children? And if so, where are they? Who are they living with? So say the parents have two other kids. Um, where are those kids? Now, if, let's say there's a five-year-old boy and a four-year-old boy, and this is a newborn um, who is a living around the, or like, and the adoptive parents are living around the corner. You want to know that they've already been offered this child because if it's a little girl, who knows, they might want a little girl. They might decide that they want the child. So you just want to know, like, are there other kids? Are they far away? Are they close? Who has them? Um, because it'll give you a better sense of whether your odds are good to keep the children. Um, have the parents' rights over the kids been terminated by the court? As I said, when you're looking to adopt a child, the magical day, besides the actual adoption day, um, is what they call a TPR, um, Termination of Parents' Rights Hearing. Um, It's also called the 26th hearing. So you want to know, like, has their rights already been terminated? If it's a baby baby, like, chances are there's no way that they've been terminated yet. Like, Jelly Beans were terminated on September 20th. So she was placed with me on November 22nd of... um, 2017. There was a TPR hearing in May, um, but all of the paperwork hadn't been filed properly and they didn't give the parents enough notice to potentially come back. So they pushed that to September 20th. Um, They didn't think parents were going to come back, but they have to list in papers and do all this stuff that they just didn't do. So it was sort of just a, you know, annoying for me, like waiting a few more months when nobody thought anybody, you know, there'd been no communication since the parents left and all of that. Um, But again, you want to know where the things are. So ask, have the parents' rights over those kids been terminated by the court? Um, And again, like not a reason not to take them, um, but just know that that's something you want. And if it's an older child or you're taking a sibling set, the possibility that they've been terminated has happened. And then it's nice because you know, if those kids come to live with you and they are a match for you, like you like them, the kids like you, it's working out, then it's really easy to adopt them. Um, So if you're looking for an easy case, like that's the way to go. Um, If a family member has them, why aren't they taking this one? So there are cases where a family member might have taken two, but then they're like, we can't take anymore. Or a family member has taken two and they have two of their own and they can't take anymore. Or a family member's already taken five, believe it or not. I'm not kidding when I say some of these parents have had multiple, 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 like as many as eight plus kids. 
um, because they were foster kids themselves and never given a shot and, you know, they're living on the streets and God knows what else. But again, so just ask why, if they've taken others, why aren't they taking this one? And if they say, you know what, they have five and they're like, don't even call us again, you know that they're probably not going to take a sixth because they're kind of over it and probably financially strapped and all of that. And then you also want to ask if they've even reached out to the other parents who have the kids because sometimes they're looking to place so quickly that they haven't done any research whatsoever. Um, in my case with Jellybean, if her mom has another sibling, they're, quote, supposed to call me next to see if I want her. Now, someone, if they forget or something, or they just, like, call some random person, if I find out, which they will notify me at some point in the six-month period as the hearings go on, if I find out that she has a sister out there, um, as a single woman who is not financially strapped, um, one could bet that maybe I would want another one um, to have a sister for her. Or one could, you know, guess that if it was a little boy, maybe I have a girl, now I want a boy. And, you know, since I have jelly bean already, it's much more likely that the next child would even get to stay with me because now I have a blood relative of hers, so I would have precedence over a new family coming in, if that makes sense. Again, because I already have one of her blood relatives. Um, or, I mean, because I have her, then she's a blood relative and, and I get precedence. Um, okay, and then a couple more questions quickly. Um, is there an, oh, is there interest in taking the child? Like, have they asked the people? I said that. Um, what is the visitation schedule? And some of these things, um, the parents, you know, are not in a position to have the child, but sometimes they do have visitation for various reasons if they're trying to get them back. So... Um, you want to know if there is one in my case, like they left Jellybean behind and she didn't have visitation. Um, is the father in the picture? Do they even know who the father is, is an important question. And then, um, oh, where does the mother live? You want to make sure that they don't live like super far away because when you do visitation, you either have to do it in the middle or you sometimes have to go to the biological family. So those are my questions. Um, I hope this has been helpful to people. I hope that you will spread the word to people if they are thinking of doing this. And um, my email address, if anybody has further questions, is fans at devinalexander.com. Again, fans at devinalexander.com. I... Um, it, you know, it's hard for me sometimes to return every call about weight loss when people are giving me their personal stories, um, just because I try to, you know, answer everybody's questions um, in in a way that a lot of people can benefit from it, because I could be answering questions all day long. Um, with this, when we're talking about a baby being placed, if people, you know, have listened to this and they have more questions, like I will do my very best to respond to you as quickly as possible, um, maybe publicly and let you know, you know, like somehow alert you that I'm answering your questions so other people can benefit from it or maybe privately, um, depending on what it is and how personal the scenario is. But just know that this is something that I um, take very seriously and I, I really want to help more kids get placed because as I said I think it can stop the homeless population or not stop but it can quell that it can quell our prison populations and these kids deserve a chance more than anything else and it can make you feel so good thank you so much for listening today um, and for listening every week I look forward to um, the next show and I hope everybody has a magical week Thanks for listening to Have It All. Be sure to join Devin Alexander for another great show next Wednesday at noon Eastern Time, 9 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Influencers Channel. 
Until we talk again, have a fit and fun week.